When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. fans and welcome to the very first episode of the Bulls HQ podcast. My name is Mark. You may be familiar with my voice or my accent if you are. It's probably because you would have caught the Dennis Podman podcast back in the day. Unfortunately, that podcast no longer exists, but uh, my longing to podcast as well as being unable to separate myself from the Chicago Bulls has got me back into the podcasting world, hence why the Bulls HQ podcast exists. So essentially, uh, I'm very opinionated about this team and I can't seem to ever separate myself from the team. It's a bit sadistic in that sense, but uh, I thought I would start up a new podcast to come on and rant and rave about the Bulls, particularly as they head towards the playoffs, assuming they make it, of course. But uh, the idea of the show in terms of the format will be me as the host, which is going to be a new experience for me. So please be patient in that sense. But the idea is to have a bit of a rotating panel of guests that will be joining me on, on my show. The reason why I've done that is essentially to have people with differing views and opinions, be it fans, bloggers, writers, whoever it may be, anyone that covers and follows the team. So that's the premise of the show, the format of the show. And my very first guest on the first ever episode of Bulls HQ is actually my old podcasting mates, Morton Jensen. So Morton and I were on the Dennis Podman podcast together. And given this is the first show of the, or the very first episode of the Bulls HQ podcast, it, it sort of made fitting sense that Morton be my very first guest. So a bit of a role reversal in this sense. I'm the host here and Morton is the guest. So it's it's a bit different, but um, I couldn't I couldn't think of anyone better to join me on the very first episode. So, uh, yeah, Morton, really appreciate you joining me, mate. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Mark. Thanks for having me. I should say I should be saying thank you to you because you're coming on as the first guest of, of the Bulls HQ podcast, and I wouldn't have anyone else uh, being that first guest. Actually, it's uh, it's quite oh, nice. Well, that's an honor. Thank you so much. I was just thinking before, is is this the first time we've podcast in like six months? I think it is, yeah. I think the last time we did speak via podcast was on your NBA pod, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you were a guest there. I, like, I'm just trying to think back. It, the last Dennis Podman episode was so long ago, I can't remember. No. That. And I, I almost feel like the last conversation we had on a podcast in terms of basketball was well, on the NBA pod. At least that's what my memories uh serving up to me at this point but um yeah good to be speaking to you again man likewise and and now that we're on the subject you need to come back to the nba podcast and uh and have a guest spot it was nice having you there yeah that was my subtle way of trying to get back i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah we did we did have that one show together so i kind of know you i know how you operate but that's exactly right but yeah that's that's a good fun podcast and should uh are you guys going to be pumping out the volume now that we're heading into playoffs? Or? Well, probably a little bit, yeah. We just uh, yeah. shot a... Well, yesterday we recorded two episodes uh, back-to-back. Uh, 
So we kind of went, you know, Lord, Lord of the Rings there for a minute just to to have some more, more content. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going well. We have a good rhythm and everything. So you know, be, but I I do have something to tell you, Mark, because I I kind of cheated on you last week, sort of. How dare? Yeah, you? I know. What did you say? Uh, I actually I was I was at the uh, the subway, and this Aussie came up and asked me for directions. So I've I've actually spoken to an Australian person, you know, like in the means meantime since I last spoke to you. So my apologies for that. I I feel like I cheated on you. You should be my only Aussie, you know. How dare I you know. communicate with another human I know. being? I am so from, sorry. From Australia, I felt so bad. That is, yeah. Yeah, you should. Yeah. You should definitely. I, I feel do. Bad. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can forgive you, but look, let's move on to the actual agenda because this is probably going to get weird pretty quickly. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine if we keep going down this path. <laughs> but um, I mentioned the playoffs before, mm. and I guess in, segueing into some Bulls content here, it's looking like the Bulls are going to actually make the playoffs, which is kind of crazy if we sort of think back maybe a few weeks ago where the, the Bulls were almost, you know, it was very possible if they decided to try to lose it, they could have get they could have got down to the 10th seed or something like that, or the, sorry, the 10th worst record. Um, but they're virtually a 97% chance of making the playoffs per 538. So we can almost lock that in. And based on how results go today in today's game, so we're obviously recording this as the Bulls are playing the Nets, uh, I believe if the Bulls are to win, the Heat lose, and the Bucks win, yeah. that the Bulls can clinch a playoff spot today. That is correct. Uh, obviously, the Bulls are down at the half at the moment to the Nets, so <laughs> who, who knows if that would come into play. But regardless of what happens today, it still would be very unlikely for the Bulls to miss at this point. So it's kind of crazy how the last few weeks have gone, and I, I guess Jimmy, Butler, Jimmy Butler's carried carry this team, but... How the hell has the Bulls gone from being a team that, you know, potentially could have had a top 10 pick in the draft all of a sudden now looking like the seventh seed in the East and potentially playing the Celtics? Well, you said it, Jimmy Butler. I mean, look, if you took the MVP award extremely literal, like the most valuable player to an NBA team, he would be probably finish in the top three, right? I think it's a fair comment. Like, uh, there's obviously... Uh, a ton of incredible players in the league. But one thing I always revert back to or comment on with Jimmy Butler is I'm not too sure if there's a guy in the league that does more for their team yeah. than Jimmy Butler. And, and I guess that's a pretty strong statement when you consider this, the type of work Russell Westbrook and James Harden do for their team, particularly offensively and, and the load those mm. two guys carry. But Jimmy does carry a similar offensive load, but at the same time, then the Bulls ask him to go then check the best offensive player of the other team for 40 minutes a game. And Jimmy has been playing 40 minutes per game over the last 10 to 12 games. Damn it, so. tips. Oh, wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So it, it is, it's a strong statement to say, you know, well, that, that Butler does do more than pretty much everyone else. But I think it's, I think it could be argued. Yeah. No, I mean, he's been amazing. Uh, look, 24 points a game, over six rebounds, over five and a half assists, almost two steals, 35 from downtown, 86 from the line at nine free throw attempts per game. I mean, he's He is just doing everything out there for the Bulls, and, and he has been the catalyst. Like he, the, he had, what, this amazing stretch where he averaged, I think, 33 points a night. It was just whenever the Bulls played and every everyone out there looking at those games were like, oh, the Bulls are going to lose this one. And no, Jimmy didn't allow it. He just somehow kept them winning. And now we're here in, in this very awkward spot because the Chicago Bulls fan base right now, I don't think I've ever seen a fan base less enthused by their team making the playoffs or potentially making the playoffs, I should say. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So the last few games... Definitely, I don't think there's much interest in how the last few games go, given the opponents of the Nets, the Magic, and then the final game being against the Nets as well. So the Bulls aren't exactly matching up against some elite teams to draw fans in for the last few games. But I think once they make the postseason and should go get Boston, which would probably be the most ideal matchup out of the top four seeds out the East, I think 
you know, I, at least personally, I would I would prefer to play Boston over anyone else. Um, once that sort of comes about, I think the hype will then start to grow a little bit because I think some people would actually think the Bulls have a chance to actually take a few games off the Celtics. But um, yeah, your general point is, is obviously correct that um, I can't think back over the last 10 years at least where there's probably been less interest in the team or there's been so much anger surrounding the team by the fan base. It's been um, It's been an interesting season for sure. Mm. I would actually prefer Cleveland, to be honest with you, just because we were talking about, Ooh. you know, the team stepping up for, for big games, the Bulls, and they, they yeah. play down to the level of competition. Well, if if we're using that logic and we're applying it to, for example, the Cavs, who have the best team in the Eastern Conference as of right now, I would prefer to see them, if I'm the Bulls, at least. Why not? Bulls are 4-0 against the Cavs this season, yeah. so... I know Gar Foreman would be toting out that line before the series started, so I'm sure the the team will be rallying behind that stat. I personally do not want any part of another LeBron show just destroying the Bulls in, in the first round again, or or the playoffs in general. I've seen it too many times. I don't want this terrible season to be marred by another LeBron you know, five five game loss by at the hand of LeBron James in the playoffs again. So, you know, if the Bulls are going to make the playoffs and if they are to go out first round, just just look, give me something different. Don't don't let it be LeBron destroying the Bulls again. So, um, um, I can't say I agree with you on that. I just want no part of Cleveland. I'm actually a bit worried about Toronto, which is. Mm which is, I, I guess, something you wouldn't say prior to the trade deadline, but after they made those those moves for Serge Ibaka and, and PJ Tucker, I think they're a completely different team, and PJ Tucker would be someone that could cover Butler. Previously, they didn't really have anyone that matched up well against Jimmy, but now I think PJ Tucker will at least make Butler work, and whether Serge plays four or whether he plays a center, it's just a different look that the, uh, the Bulls would have to deal with. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if Serge is at center, you can't really play... Robin Lopez, I guess, because he, he's not going to be able to stretch out to to a Barker's three point shots. So, I don't want the I don't want the Raptors. I don't really want the Wizards either. I think that would hurt the Bulls. So, ideally, and and it's shaping up this way that the Bulls are going to be in the seventh seed playing the Celtics. So, that would be the best case scenario. And should that transpire, the Bulls actually have a uh, quite a sizable advantage on on the rebounding end against the Celtics. So, do you believe in the Celtics at all as a as a credible playoff team? Yeah, I do. I Well, not to the extent that they can challenge Cleveland. I did early in the year, but uh, the, the latest slapping <laughs> that Cleveland did to Boston kind of, yeah, uh, th- threw some sense into me because they are that one tier above Boston, I think. But your point about Boston, and it's in particular their lack of rebounding, is definitely fair. I just think the fact that they've beaten the Bulls somewhat handedly um a couple times this season makes them the tougher opponent they would have like the mental upper hand whereas the Cavs being 0-4 against the Bulls would probably just you know hesitate just slightly but no I mean I believe in Boston to the extent of how far can Isaiah Thomas and a bunch of role players carry the team you know is that the second round is that potentially the conference finals not sure, but I am left with that one question when discussing Boston, and that is, why on earth didn't you put up a solid offer for either Butler or Paul George at the deadline? Why didn't you make something happen? Because you have a 30-year-old Al Horford on your roster right now, and if you're going to gamble on the future and say, well, we're going to keep the Brooklyn picks and we're going to get all these fantastic youngsters in, then it doesn't even make sense to go out and get Al um, they should have cashed in now and seen how far that could take them. I mean, if you had Jimmy Butler on the Celtics right now, and if everything, all they had given up was Amir Johnson and, well, I don't know, Jonas Yerepko and draft picks, and still, you know, retained Marcus Smart, Terry Rochier, and everyone there, wouldn't you put them above Cleveland for sure? Um, I, I don't know if I'd say for sure because I'm not sure if that's the trade that the Bulls were after. So the Bulls 
it was rumored that they wanted ready-made players, established players that could yeah, carry yeah, the team true. and keep them around 500 oh, the whilst also getting draft concessions. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure if that, I mean, that type of deal makes sense for all parties, but I'm not sure if that's the type of the deal that they are, the Bulls were chasing necessarily. So if they were wanting the picks as well as Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley or a package of something in that vicinity, then I don't think a, a deal was ever realistic to the point where I wouldn't really discredit Danny Ainge and the Celtics for not making that deal, particularly if that's the uh, the hard stance the Bulls had. But yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one. I, I still probably wouldn't say they would be above Cleveland just purely because of the uh, the LeBron James factor, but it would be closer than what it is. But yeah, it, it, look, the, the top four in the East is, I think, fairly settled. They're all going to win 50, between 50 and 54 games, depending on how the, the Cavs and Celtics close their uh, their season. But I guess my question to you in, in, in relation to the Bulls making the playoffs here is it more about what the Bulls are doing or is it more about what their opponents aren't doing? And, and, and what I mean by that is the teams that were in spots, say, 5 through to 10 in East, they've almost crumbled alongside the Bulls yeah. whilst the Bulls have stayed mediocre. And in doing that, the Bulls have sort of risen because they've been able to hold, hold their position whilst everyone else has been losing games. So... I'm thinking about the Atlanta Hawks. Now, they obviously had Paul Millsap go out for a while there, and they're, they're down to, to a near 500-level team. Uh, the Bucks have, have come up to the sixth spot, but they're only one game above 500. The Pacers and Heat have dropped out of the playoffs. They're under 500. The Pistons, the Hornets, these teams have com- uh, completely collapsed. Mm. It, it's almost like the Bulls have just stayed their, their usual average self and that hasn't enabled them to leapfrog some of their opponents i would agree uh with the note that butler stepped up in new orleans and that yeah. type of game was is kind of crucial to him because that was a prime candidate to be a team where the bulls would underestimate them in general but butler wouldn't have it i think he had 39 if i'm not mistaking that in that one wasn't that the 39 pointer uh, I'm not too sure off the top of my head, yeah. but uh, he, he did obviously have an epic yeah. game. Uh, so, you know, the, that that sort of win it was huge for him, obviously. So it's been a slight combination, but I, overall, I agree. The Eastern Conference is just laughably bad right now, and that yeah. has propelled the Bulls to be in the current position that they are in right now. They are not a 500-caliber team. If, if you had a stronger Eastern Conference Generally speaking, the Bulls would be, I don't know, low 40s? Like, in terms of winning percentage, low 40s? That sounds right, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, 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 would that be about 35 wins or something, something like that? Something, yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, that that seems to make... I mean, that's logical sense to me. So, yeah, I, I can definitely buy into, into that theory. And I, I guess in relation to that is not only has the rest of the East fallen off, but the Bulls have sort of lucked into what I call the functional five, at least in terms of their starting lineup with, with Dwayne Wade's injury. So mm-hmm. with, with Wade being out, I think they've won seven of the last 11 games, which has, again, helped the Bulls stay in this spot where they're now a really likely playoff contender, or not not contender, a, a playoff um, participant. So... Wade's injury has been somewhat timely, which you wouldn't necessarily expect when a starting player sort of succumbs to an injury at the end of the season. But all of a sudden, the Bulls have found themselves a starting lineup that made sense, at least prior to today. Obviously, Wade's returning against the Nets as we speak. So do you think, or how much do you think that has weighed into the Bulls actually being able to find themselves a balanced squad that kind of makes sense? Well, I have a break believer in giving the ball to your best player and when Wade was in there and he took a lot of possessions away from Jimmy and a lot Mm -hmm. of less efficient possessions it just hurt the Bulls because Wade is no longer an efficient offensive player and defensively speaking also a train wreck so uh, as far as I'm concerned he's a net negative out there Uh, so propelling that offense through Butler to an even larger extent 
certainly helped the team. It's only logical. We're seeing what James Harden is doing in Houston with a, a, a you know getting more touches, more possessions going through him, and Houston is doing very well. Uh, that's the same sort of mentality that's going on here because Butler no longer had to share the ball with both Rondo and Wade. He did have to share it with Rondo, but I, I mean, I got to give credits Rondo, which is something I never thought I'd hear myself say. Uh, you know, he didn't dominate the ball all too much. He gave it up. Like he would dribble the ball up and he would hand it off to Jimmy and let Jimmy go to work, which is basically the type of point guard that Jimmy needs. Although he does need a guy who can stretch and also defend a lot better than Rondo currently does. But at least for the time being, Rondo sort of delivered into that role that Butler needed to have alongside him. So that's something. Now with Wade coming back, uh, I'm not really sure that's the best move the Bulls could have made. It's also weird, right, when you think about it. So they they shut down Wade. They go on this run. They get near the playoff picture, and then suddenly the Bulls' logic is, well, hell, let's get let's get Wade back in there so we can secure this playoff spot. Well, I mean, you're playing better without him. So if you're chasing the playoffs, then what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I I, I totally agree. And he. Wade will be on a, a minutes restriction. He's he's playing twenty minutes tonight yeah. against the Nets, and and that will be his limit. And in, in finding this nice starting unit for the Bulls, what it what it has done is made the bench unit quite susceptible. And there's been games where the bench has just been absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. You think about Michael Carter Williams, Valentine, Morrow, Porter, Slaverne. These guys are the guys filling up most of the bench minutes together and, and they're playing a lot to, uh, together as a five-man unit. There isn't necessarily a starter out there with them, uh, particularly at the start of the second quarter. So it has been pretty bad at times. So there is that obvious role for way to sort of uh, assimilate back into, I guess, game shape coming off the bench as that creator in the second unit. Mm. That and that allow would allow obviously that starting unit the Bulls have found to be to remain intact and and to your points, Wade still has a higher usage than Jimmy Butler on the season, which is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So Jimmy Jimmy Butler's usage percentage is only twenty six and a half. When when you think about guys like LeBron and Kawhi Leonard, they're around thirty one, thirty three percent. You know, James Harden's probably thirty five percent. Russell Westbrook's absurd. Yeah. 41% or something like yeah. that. So compared to his contemporaries, Jimmy Butler is not getting the ball or is not finishing plays at the same rate that those guys are. So I can totally understand your point around just, just getting removing Wade from the equation and, and having Butler increase his workload. That that balance has outweighed any, uh, any, any negatives of losing Wade for an extended period of time. Yeah, and it's it's also tricky though because if you increase Butler's usage rate like up towards the thirty five percent, then you'd also have to expect like a significant drop off defensively because he isn't a machine. Like he he does get tired, right? So uh, if you have mm-hmm. the right components next to him, then you can do it. And that's really what the Bulls are missing. They are missing that secondary defender who can really you know look at a team and go, you know, what, I'm going to shut that guy guy down. It's it's yeah. only Jimmy. I mean, fair enough. Robin Lopez has been brilliant in terms of protecting the rim, but he's not like a pick-and-roll defender. So he's sort of isolated near the rim, defensively speaking. Wade, as I touched upon earlier, is just not the defender that he used to be. He's he's lazy and he's become slow and it's just he doesn't he doesn't give a damn anymore. I think Jerry and Grant might become a strong defender he does he has had games where he's looked somewhat decent and then he's had games where he's looked horrid but it seems like his lateral quickness is okay he we know he's generally athletic um so i would love to see him sort of develop that mentality if he could be the three and d point guard that the bulls needed or need currently need uh that would help them tremendously yeah no doubt no doubt i'm not i'm not 100 solid on Jerry and Grant, oh, me neither. Uh, the, there is something to like in him, but I'm a bit worried that you know he is 24, so he's closer to a a finished product than he is potential. I guess he obviously still has room to improve, but uh, he's not a young player per se. No, he's not a 20 year old or a 21 year old. But I, I definitely do like Jerry and Grant. Um, and, and another player that's played 
actually quite well in Wade's absence has been Paul Zipso. If you look at the box score, obviously he's not going to uh, wow you with any of his numbers. You know, occasionally he'll have a, a four-point game and two rebounds <laughs> or something like that in in eighteen minutes of play or whatever it may be, and and those numbers clearly clearly don't jump out to you. But I guess what I wanted to ask you is and, and get your opinion on is where do you stand on? I guess, overall talent and just trying to cram that into a unit versus trying to find a a five-man unit that makes the most balanced sense. This is my personal opinion, and I think this is why the Bulls have found some success here, and we've sort of alluded to it, but by having Zipser in there instead of Wade and with Rondo being more than willing to let Jimmy Butler be the lead guard, it's allowed Jimmy to grow into what we've seen in the last few last month, really. Uh, Nikola Mirotic has had more of an opportunity to be a, a play creator rather than a spot-up shooter, which I think has helped his game. So to me, it's almost like having a better, a better fit and a better balance is, in this case at least, more advantageous, advantageous to the Bulls than finding or just trying to cram in their best talent into a, a five-man unit, which I guess they that's what they thought they were going to do when they start of the season with Rondo and Wade starting. Did you sort of buy into that theory or is this purely just a random stretch of uh, some decent play from Butler and it's made guys like Zipser look somewhat competent? No, I mean, it has to be sort of both, right? Like what you are describing is what Greg Popovich loves. So who am I to disagree with what Greg Popovich loves? Um, no, I, I think cohesiveness in groups are definitely something you need to prioritize if you have a five-man unit that works well in unison you need to get that on the floor for as much as possible and then you need to find a secondary rotation that works preferably off the bench in case you need to go 10-man deep and we know know, fred likes to go real deep in his rotations so Mm -hmm. yeah uh that would definitely be my preference as well i mean jamming in talent can be advantageous if you're the Golden State Warriors because if if you have guys on that level as KD and Curry and Clay and Draymond then they'll figure things out like even if there are better lineups within their team schemes just the raw talent level and and the amount of talent that that's there is just gonna you know overwhelm teams so it's it's a moot point but for the Bulls who you know have certain weak links it's definitely worth exploring the right option for who you're going to put out there. And that's been a tremendous problem for him. I mean, as you alluded to again, I mean, injuries had to like force them to find the right rotation a little bit. And Nico and Jimmy has been doing well together. Prefer- I, I, my, my, me personally, I want to see Felicio, Nico and Jimmy uh, get more minutes just because I want to see what that trio can do. And then I'm not sure who should get the final two spots. Uh, between Grant and Rondo, I suppose. Um, beforehand, I would have said McDermott, but you know, no longer there, so I'm not really sure who to put in there. But Sipser, who you talked about previously, he could be a nice alternative there because he's a low usage player, but he can still shoot it a little bit. Like if he gets a kick out or whatever, uh, and he's got some size to him, and and he can move his feet. So, yeah, uh, I I would like to see some more of that. Yeah, and, and just so it's clear, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying Zipser is actually a good player or a competent right. player at this point in his career. He's obviously still a rookie. He's a second-round pick who has a ton to learn if he's too stick in the NBA. But just the idea of having a 3-and-D guy next to Jimmy Butler on the wing with obviously Miritich's shooting and then having another guard that's able to create on bit plays like Rondo has done, I think that is headed towards the correct formula of players you put next to Jimmy Butler rather than trying to, you know, force Wade, Rondo, mm. Gibson at the start of the season, then Lopez as well, putting them around Butler and then hoping he still is able to navigate through the lanes and, and create scores at the rim. I think that's asking way too much of Jimmy Butler. So I guess that's what I was more hinting at. Zipser is obviously a flawed player, but the player he represents or projects to be is obviously the one we want to put next to Butler long-term, whether it's Zipser or not. But um, yeah, to you, you mentioned there Miritich and and his emergence in March, which is becoming a bit of a trend of late, um, if you look back at his career splits. But he has been huge. And 
some of it has been unsustainable shooting, but at, at the same time, it hasn't just been three-point shooting. He's been getting into the paint. He's been uh, making plays off the dribble. His defense has been really good. He's looking like a keeper all of a sudden, and we can't forget that the Bulls were looking at dealing the guy at the deadline. They couldn't find anyone to take him. Um, he Once Gibson was dealt, he was, wasn't playing. He was inactive. Bobby Portis was a starter, and Joffrey Laverne was the backup power forward for a period. Then all of a sudden, Miritich got back into the lineup, started playing well, and obviously won back his starting role and has been averaging 17 points and 7 rebounds since starting, which is obviously quality numbers for a second or third option. So I guess my question is, do you think the Miritich that we're seeing now, which is an empowered Miritich who's playing with confidence, is one that we can, I guess, project to continue on this trend of playing well? Or will we at some point see him fall back into a, a funk where he drives us all mad again and um, we're all happy to see him you know, being dealt for whatever it may be? That's a good question. Um to be honest with you, I I honestly don't know because we've seen these sort of stretches before. Last March, we know Nico loves March. Um, last year in March, he actually shot the three ball at the same volume and accuracy as Stephen Curry. I mean, he was unbelievable. But he cooled down and he didn't have a strong season before that. The same could be said this year. But it's also a little bit different because he's been used... He's sort of like a new player under Fred than he was uh, Tibbs in terms of how he's being used. Like, let me just read a number for you here. It, that, this is per 100 possessions. For his rookie year under Tibbs, 8.9 free throw attempts per 100 possessions. This year, mm-hmm. 3.8. I mean, Fred is using him as this spot-up shooter, and Nico has kind of said, you know what, if that's the role I'm, I'm being given, then... Uh, I'm just going to shoot it and shoot it and shoot it. And then the injury to Wade happened and he started getting more minutes. And he just, he started saying, you know what? I'm I'm going to pump fake here. I'm going to take it to the hole. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want because <laughs> I'm a free agent this summer. I need to get my value up. And in the midst of all that, I think he impressed the coaches with his versatility, which I think is sort of ridiculous because he always had it. It was a question of him being used the wrong way, but so be it. And, I would be inclined to believe that you hang on to him and that he can sort of sustain his current production if we disregard the fact that he, he he's not going to be the guy who is going to go out there and get those 28 points a game like he did against Milwaukee and uh, was Portland. No, but I don't even remember. Detroit. Detroit that's I think right. it was the Pistons right. off the top of my head. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, he, he is going to be that sort of guy who one night is going to get 25 and then follow that up with 11. But I'm kind of okay with that still, as long as there's like a solid baseline for him. And that's kind of been the problem because when he's being jerked around in the lineup, his baseline just falls so far down. Um, Yeah. and, And really, I mean, say what you want about Thibodeau. You know, he always understood that you need to have a certain expectation as a player when you get into the game. What is your role? What is your role going to be? Who are the guys alongside you and whatnot? Fred, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't really understand that so far. Two years in, yeah, he he definitely doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in um, being able to empower players and to, uh, to 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 bring out the best in players. I guess so. He we're seeing the best Miritich now, but I wonder if that's more because. He knows now that there is no Taj Gibson that can come and get his role. Bobby Portis is an inferior player. Joffrey Laverne's an inferior player. Now that he's captured or recaptured that starting role, I think he's just got that belief within himself. And I probably haven't seen a player that needs that internal belief more than a guy like Miritich. Yeah. He really needs that internal confidence for him to actually to go out there and just play his game. The minute he starts getting in his own head, he really uh, he really does get in his own head and, and becomes a, a significantly worse player. But he's been great. It's been it's, it's been awesome to see. He's obviously uh, going to be driving up his value now with this, uh, this strong finish towards the season. It'll be interesting to see what the Bulls do with him. But I just, I just do wonder how all this is going to change now that Wade will be reintegrated. So maybe this Brooklyn game that's currently happening as we speak won't be the best way to gauge it given that Rondo is out 
um, at the moment as well, but it'll be interesting how it all starts to mold itself once Rondo is back and Wade's starting and how the team's trying to find its balance again, literally probably in the playoffs. So that, that, that could be dangerous for the Bulls as well, trying to find a nucleus in the playoffs. It's not ideal. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens as, as things shake out. But another reason why I wanted to have you on as my first guest, apart from obviously our history, is the fact that you've recently written something that was quite pertinent uh, to, I guess, how most, or not most, but how many Bulls fans are feeling at the moment. So I'm referring to a, a piece you made on, on Bloggable yeah. um, around, I guess, you growing apart from the Bulls in the sense that you don't really want to be endorsing a product that screams incompetence, so let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that because it's, I guess it's a, it's a ranging issue or ranging topic that pretty much all of us at, to some degree are feeling. Um, and I, I just wanted you to expand on that post cause it was an enjoyable read. Oh, thank you. And, um, yeah, just, just be interested to hear, hear you uh, expand on that. Well, so, uh, it was actually my, my birthday when I wrote it. Which is ridiculous. Which is a ridiculous way to spend your birthday. But I woke up in the morning. Uh, my son and my wife came in, and you know, breakfast and presents and everything. I was wonderful. And um, then I got up, and I just I remember the Bulls were playing the Hawks that night. And it's always been like a thing when I was younger. Not so much as as I've grown up. It was always a big thing to me when the Bulls played on my birthday when I was a kid because. Oh, then I then I'm gonna watch this game and I'm gonna have all my my birthday hopes up that they're gonna win and whatever. And for the first time, I just felt like, oh, I want them to lose. I want them to lose so badly. And it's on my birthday even. It was like this was like a sort of sacral ritual that kind of was broken. And mm. I just I just I just told my wife, you know, I I just have to go out and write something. Just give me an hour. And I started just typing away, and I realized that the more I just went on and on and on, is the fact that I more or less said to the Bulls, "I I really need a break from you guys. I'm not. I can't support the way that you are run as an organization. I think that they are crapping on the fans. I think they are crapping on their media members. Uh, I think every level of their infrastructure is flawed when you look at it. Ownership flawed." Um, management, flawed, coaching staff, flawed, roster, flawed, even their commentator crew, flawed. Hell, even the new Benny the Bull, <laughs> flawed. I mean, there is yeah, that's a good there point. is absolutely no area of this team right now outside of Jimmy Butler where I'm thinking, oh, I'm I'm I want to tune in for this. When I'm tuning into a Bulls game right now, I'm I'm doing it to watch Jimmy solely solely because of it i don't even care about the results and i mean i'm not invested anymore and then i keep seeing the same damn pattern which is what forced me to write this this piece where i'm basically breaking up with the bulls and it's the fact that you have an ownership slash management circle that is perfectly content at making money and making like the eighth seed and not really putting forth the best effort in building a, a team that gives that gives them a, a long window. Like if you look at Dallas right now, I've been so impressed with what Dallas have done this year. They were bad. They they are bad. And they picked up like Yoki Farrell in the summer. They picked up uh, Seth Curry for cheap, a guy who I loved. You know this. Um, mm -hmm. And they did this because they understood, you know, Dirk is not going to be around forever. He's also declining. And it's obvious like he's, closing on 40 so we are going to take these small gambles that could have huge benefits like we're going to sign these young guys to a couple years we're going to give them plenty of time to court time to see what they can do and it's paid off for them like they are progressive the bulls are not the bulls go out and look for a big name who can fill seats and then they sort of kind of fix things on the way like this season is the perfect example they, they went out and got Rondo, who, for the casual fan, is a big name. They went out and got Dwayne Wade, who, for the casual fan, is a huge name. And now we are here in the dead end of the regular season, and they're playing for a playoff spot. 
and this sort it sort of randomly came together and the Bulls are going to you know market the hell out of this over the summer. Hey, we're a playoff team. And then the cycle is just going to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. And I I just I can no longer support that. Like the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Every year I expected different results. I'm not getting those different results. So at some point I have to get off the bandwagon because I'm going to view myself as being insane. Yeah, and, and look, that's completely fair. And I, I guess to a degree, that's sort of why Dennis Podman ended. And, and it's almost, it's it's an interesting thing that you say that, that you're, you're essentially saying I'm insane because I'm starting a... Uh, <laughs> a new bulls part a new bulls no, no, that was just whilst me. you're breaking away that's so. that was just me though. i know i know but it's 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 interesting and and it sort of feeds into the into my next question which was going to be around the whole loyalty about a sports team or all the loyalty surrounding sports team sports teams rather and the fandom mm. that we have for certain teams and franchises but as you're sort of breaking away i'm sure there'll still be a, a part of you that has an affinity to the bulls but you know, as you're sort of breaking away and becoming more of a, a general NBA fan, I'm still here having similar thoughts to you, but I, I just can't make that, or I can't break myself away from the Bulls in a, in a fashion that you've been able to do. I, I, I understand everything you've said. I feel everything you said, but I just can't come to that point. So what what is it about loyalty with franchises, or with sports teams that, in reality, mm. in, in the great perspective of life, it's only a—it's not really that big a deal in in our in our uh, grand scheme of life. But for whatever reason, you're able to break away, and I can't. What, what, <laughs> what do you put that down to? Well, actually, I feel bad for doing it. I I kind of feel like I've you know I'm going back to cheated, but I feel like I have cheated a little bit. Like, so you you feel guilty? I, I feel guilty because this was a huge part of me growing up. And yet, I know mm. it's necessary. It's it's really like a bad relationship. Like, you love the person that you're with, but you know it's unhealthy and you need to separate yourself from it. It's it's the exact same feeling, which it sounds so dramatic, and especially when it comes to a sports team, but you also have to figure in, like, this. I've been following this team since I was 10 years old. I'm 31, so that's 21 years. That's a grotesque amount of time, especially looking at how many hours I devoted per week to them, you know, and yeah. uh, that, that, that's an insane amount of hours. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, yeah, I feel guilty in that sense. And yet I understand that this is this is just this is going to, you know, raise the NBA experience for me as a whole. And if the Bulls become yep. good again, I can appreciate them for what they are, a good basketball team, if it comes to that. Um, and then of course, you know, you're going to have guys on Twitter who's going to say, Hey, you're backpedaling. No, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't care. It, it, ha- it doesn't really have anything to do with that. It's more so the fact that I just can't support the, f- the way they, they handle their business and whatnot. I can appreciate what they do on the court. Like if they make to make it to the playoffs and they play well this year, I can even appreciate that on some level but I will always be against how they operate behind the scenes. And that's really where the crux of the problem is. Like, let me ask you a question here. If the Bulls, you know, win the title, it's not going to happen, but let's just play along. If they win the title this what, year. This, this season. Yeah, this season. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would it mean, you know, yeah, obviously it would mean something to you, but would it be as special as the Jordan years? Would it even be remotely close? Would it? Would you? Would you sort of feel bad as well because you know that? Oh my God, Gar Foreman and John Paxson just got extended life, and they are going. They are going to, you know, squeeze this for all that it's worth for the next thirty damn years. I would feel bad. Yeah, look, I, I, pro- <laughs> I probably wouldn't be thinking about that too much. I would be uh, enjoying the experience and the thrill of winning, mm. but. I still wouldn't feel the same as as I as I have when you know the, through the Jordan years because the journey was completely different. So the lead up to that championship would have been completely different. And most of the time would have been spent just thinking about how miserable this organization is and how how much better every other team has it or, or most teams have it. And obviously, capping it off with a a mythical championship, <laughs> let's say, would have, would be an incredible experience. But 
you know, having spent the previous six months just being miserable at times watching this team, it, the journey and the experience wouldn't be the same as having a team that's, you know, been destroying other teams all year. It's been a, right. a, a joyous ride the whole way up. So, yeah, it definitely wouldn't be the same. But having said that, of course, I'd be... Yeah, you'd be psyched. I'd be over the moon if the Bulls yeah. won, won the title because just about how ridiculous it would be. But I understand your point. Yeah, I, yeah, I, point. I just, I can't... So I, w- I wouldn't be able to just, you know, support the fact that it happened this way because that would validate whatever Gar and Pax did, which is which goes against not just conventional wisdom, but goes against data, goes against logic, and which is, you know, they they would have built a team by sheer accident, really, that won a, won a ring, and their incompetency would be rewarded. And that's the problem that I have. I mean, I want... The whole, the found, the fundamentals of the Bulls to change, like the foundation, that's a better word. Uh, I mean, it's not going to happen, but I want new ownership. I want new management. I want a new coaching staff. I want a new roster. Not sure where I stand on the Jimmy thing as of yet. I know that you want to go there at some point, but I really don't know where I stand on the Jimmy thing. I absolutely love him. Um, but if it's better for the Bulls to break it all up, and you have like a competent team behind the breaking up of it, I would support it. Oh, it's just such a tricky situation, right? Like right now, chasing a playoff spot, we have no ideas, no idea where the Bulls stand on Jimmy as well, their best player. Like, is he being moved mm. in early June after making this run? If so, like that would just, you know, be giving the middle finger not just to Butler, but to the fans. Like, if Jimmy is being traded from the Bulls, in June, after doing what he's done to drag them to the playoffs by his teeth, then that's so low, so so low, and I wouldn't be able to respect it. Yeah, no. I mean, look, well, should that transpire, that'll be a, an interesting situation. Particularly as you say, he's the one willing the team to the playoffs yeah. at the moment more than anyone else in this organization. Jimmy Butler deserves to be representing the Bulls in the playoffs and, and hopefully winning games for the Bulls in the playoffs. But, and it would it would be tough to swallow to see them dealing several months later um, at the, at, at, during the draft, after the draft lottery, whatever, whenever it may be. It would, it would be a, a tough situation to, to see that uh, transpire. But um, I, I guess what I'm, what I'm gathering from you here and, and thinking about my own thoughts as well is that Fandom really is a is a personal. It's a really a personal decision, mm. I guess. You've been able to break away, and, and I'm having trouble doing so. When you're, or you've been able to essentially write a, a breakup letter with the team, whereas <laughs> I, I I wrote something that was maybe a month ago that was similar in the sense that I shared a lot of the same feelings, but I ended it with the fact that I, I just can't divorce myself from the yeah. team so it's just something i can't do so it is a very personal choice and i don't know what the right balance is or what the right mix is of in terms of we the fans owing it to the organization to stick through that or stick with them through hard times or whether the onus is on the organization to i guess respect the fan and, and to do everything at all times at all at all costs that the fans want. I, th- I don't know what the right, a- right right mix is or what the right answer is, but I think that almost comes down to the person that you're mm. you're speaking to at that point. And, and clearly, the Bulls have got that uh, got that mix wrong with you. Yeah, yeah, that that couldn't have been said any better, really. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is definitely a personal thing, and the fact that so many people are are sharing something similar but can't really or doesn't want to break away. I mean, I don't. I, I don't have a problem with anyone sticking it out. I, th- I think that's great. I mean, more power to you. Um, it's just, it's just me. I I can't handle the way that they're doing things right now. I think it's it's so ridiculous, especially when you have better alternatives in the league in terms of how you know teams are led. San Antonio, in particular, that are just doing things practically flawlessly. That I just I don't understand anymore. Why, you know my time should be spent on on watching a product that where you know management has put themselves in a situation that is just less than optimal like you just said you could support the team through hard times that i would support a team through hard times but if it's 
management that's put themselves in hard times because they made decisions for now as opposed to for later, then I can't support it. Like I actually wrote a fan post as well on Blockable about this, I where I, I, I added a poll, and I don't remember the results, but I do remember they were positive to the question. Uh, I asked people, like, would you support the Bulls if they rebuilt? Because the Bulls' argument has been constantly, like, if we rebuild, like, after the Jordan years, it was horrible. Like, we wouldn't give that to fans. But fans are screaming for it. Like, listen to your fan base. It, if your argument is we're not going to go back to, like, blowing it up because that was a horrific experience for the fans then that's a flawed plan because the fans are all there saying, you know what, we'd support you. We'd actually buy tickets more frequently to come watch you while you're rebuilding because that's what we want instead of having a team that always chases eighth. So, you know, yeah, I mean, so for me, it's it's the fact that they don't listen to the fan base and it's also the fact that Gar is sitting there behind the podium and is so blatantly lying. I mean, I feel I feel like he speaks to all of you know the all of the Bulls fans as their children, and I I can't respect that on any level. Like as a human <laughs> being, when he does that, I despise him in that in that sense. Like he speaks down to everyone around him. It, I, I have no tolerance for that at all. And he's been there. He's been the GM since, I want to say, 2009. Is it 2009? Yeah, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. So that's eight years with that. And I've, I've just reached my breaking point. No, that's fair enough. Very emotive language. And Bulls HQ podcast is off to a hot start. <laughs> Some hot takes here. <laughs> Might be pulled off the airwaves by the... Uh... The Bulls, <laughs> straight away. I'm, I'm sure there'll be someone contacting me saying, "Why did you have this guy? Yeah. I'm just ruining, ruining our uh, our brand." But uh, <laughs> and that's obviously not going to happen because no one is going to be listening to this podcast anyway. But I'm, I'm just being facetious. But no, nah, look, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And uh, I, again, I, I share very similar thoughts. Mm. So none of what you said is outrageous, and and, and I do. I do share similar feelings and I'm sure most people who will listen to this um, would agree with you. So yeah, it's, it's not a, um, it's not really a hot take. I'll, I'll put it that way. So, so given that you have, I guess, more time now to, to watch different basketball teams, different players to analyze different games, oh. particularly now that you're covering the NBA on the NBA pod, um, who has sort of filled your, your, that gap for you? in terms of teams replacing the Bulls? Is it, is it one team? Is it just a, a whole array of teams? Is, yeah, is there certain players that you're covering? Exactly, like a mix of the the, sec- the the two last ones there. It's it's a whole array of teams and, and players, obviously. Like Nikola Jokic, oh man, like he's, yep. he's just a wizard. He's yeah, he's a wizard. Uh, the way that he just... I, I, I spoke about him on the NBA podcast the other day and I called him the... The Paul Pierce of the center position, simply because of the way that he manufactures shots for himself. Like he's just crafty mm-hmm. and he's intelligent, and he's he doesn't yeah, have like to rely that. Yeah. on you know superb athleticism, and he can shoot it. And oh man, he is he is so brilliant. Um, so that's that's a guy I really enjoy. And then I you know I can't help myself. You know when you have a a guy who is five nine scoring damn near thirty a game, like Isaiah Thomas, for all his defensive woes, when he's on, I, he is one of the most enjoyable players out there. Really been digging to, to you know seeing him and Marcus Smart. Like this is one of the benefits as well as moving away from your t- you know your team and watching an extended run of different teams and that is his post game like i i knew that he had a developing post game because i you know every year i watch a hell of a lot of nba like overall but now i really have a sense of how his post game is more so than i had like you know a tease of it before it's mm-hmm. it's so solid yeah. like the way that he goes down there it's almost gary payton-esque and the way that he passes out of the post, it really opens everything up for the set for the season. Yeah, there are so many things out there that I that I enjoy. Um, Spurs obviously been watching so much Kawhi; it's ridiculous. Uh, he's also my number one guy for MVP, for example. Uh, that's oh, okay. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I can I can definitely get get behind that as a, as a Spurs bandwagoner. Mm. 
Kawhi is my kind of guy, so I, 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 I can certainly support that position. Yeah. I mean, I look, I have dirty dreams about a Kawhi-Jimmy Butler pairing one day. <laughs> okay. Uh, I won't go there, but um, I mean, interesting to, interesting to no, hear. No, no, but seriously, like, let me ask you something. It, just on the surface of it, it's not doable. It's not, you know, it's not something that's going to happen. But would that be the best 2-3 combo since LeBron and Wade in Miami and before that, Michael and Scotty? They would be so uh, well around. Yeah, yeah. Without thinking too much about it, for sure. I mean, the, just the defense would be. Oh ridiculous. man, they could bring back the Doberman be, defense. They really could. It, it would be. It would be insane. Mm. But um, yeah. Now you're making me think about, it and now I'm just disappointed. Yeah. How dare you? Well, well, hell, uh, look. I mean, look at what the Bulls gave up to get Cameron Payne, right? You know, they might settle for Deontay Murray <laughs> and Davis Bertans. Who knows? At this point, I'm not putting anything past it. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, let's not dream that hard. I think we have we should have some realistic dreams. <laughs> but um, it's good to hear that you obviously the, the Bulls don't encompass your total basketball experience. That you're able to break away and to still to still find some joy in it in, in the other teams, other players, mm. and those sorts of things. So. That's still good to hear, even if the Bulls aren't the ones necessarily providing you that uh that happiness. Let's put it that yeah. way. On that note, I can also highly, you know, um, yeah. What's the word? I I I would like to encourage people to watch the Jazz Wolves game from last night. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Like that's it was a good yeah, game. Was a great game. Like Carl Anthony Towns. It's late over here, so I'm just yeah tired of messing up names. You know, Towns is one of those guys that, he, you know, he's incredible. he's incredible. And the more that you watch him, the more consistently you watch him, it's just everything. You know, he, he still needs some work defensively, but outside of that, he's like, he's right there. He's one of the most complete players in the league, and he's 21 for Pete's sake. It's incredible. Yep. It's absolutely incredible. It's been averaging pretty much 27 points, 13 rebounds since the start of the, mm-hmm. the new year, so... Tibbs is uh Tibbs is a smart boy for latching onto onto that yeah. Wolves job or holding out for that Wolves job. Uh, I guess it, it was unfortunate that the job came up, but um, he's certainly found himself a well. He had MVP Rose, and I, I dare say that he's going to have a MVP Towns. Oh, absolutely! At some point. Like that would be a legitimate disappointment if Cat doesn't win yeah. an MVP in the near future. And I mean. Yeah. Look, he's he's. I don't know if he's still on pace. I don't. I think he's just below it. But in terms of projection, but he he could be on his way for a two thousand points, one thousand rebounds, one hundred blocks, one hundred three season this year. Right at twenty one, Mark. Look, I mean, come on. The, the, there's some arbitrary numbers, but it's it, it's definitely impressive. Mm. <laughs> no, no, I I fully understand your point. He's he's an incredible player yeah. and. Yeah, like I said, Tibbs is a lucky boy, and we probably we probably should end it there on some Tibbs, some Tibbs praise. Oh, he, he needs it, I he, think. He does after the season he's has, and <laughs> I always like praising Tibbs. So it's probably a good a good note to end the on end the podcast on the the first podcast with uh, on on Bulls Bulls HQ podcast, and I'm happy that you were my first guest. So uh, oh, thank you, thank you again for joining me. People can. Um, Catch Morton on Twitter at MSJMBA. I believe you've changed That's your correct. handle. That's correct. Much easier. I should definitely follow suit rather than having my stupid long last Greek last name. That's uh, very smart of you to do. Which I mispronounced. I have to believe I mispronounced or... yeah, your name all the time because the first time around I was I asked you if Karen Sulis was correct and you was like you were like, eh, close yeah, enough. That's right. <laughs> it is. Good enough. Good enough. <laughs> I, I couldn't spell it until I was about eight years old, so I'm not going to condemn oh. anyone for you know mispronouncing it or, or something like that. So no, that's fine. So everyone can catch Morton at MSJ NBA. Obviously, you can get Morton as well on the NBA pod. Yep. I, I would suggest subscribing to that. You're you're obviously on iTunes, Morton, and yes. Um, yes. definitely a good listen. You you do that with Brian and Sarah, so it's it's it's. Uh, a three-headed podcast and it's really good balanced podcast well i'm glad thank you so much for that uh, we try uh you, you do well mate you do well Appreciate and again it. that's just me butting you up to uh get me on next time <laughs> or one time <laughs> i'll definitely catch you on that one definitely
No, that's okay. So, yeah, thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, so that just about does it for the inaugural episode of the Bulls HQ podcast. I really appreciate everyone tuning in. It does it does mean a lot to me. In the meantime, if, if you want to check out bullshq.com, read some articles that are posted up on there, contribute to the site as well. More than happy for people to read and, and post comments in there and for you know to build an online community. So that would that would be kind of cool. So stop on by bullshq.com. I'm not too sure when the next episode will be, whether it's going to be a weekly show or a fortnightly type thing. I'll play it by ear, but hopefully the Bulls will be making the playoffs soon. And and with that, uh, I'll have some coverage coming to your way in in due course. But uh, hopefully it won't be too long from now. So until next time, this has been Bulls HQ. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.